Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. You know those moments when you realize that you're not totally in control of the situation you're in? A relationship isn't where you thought it would be, and there's only so much you can do because it takes two to make it right. Or a job is wearing on you more than you thought it would, but you can't change the circumstances. It's in those moments that we may face a tough reality. We can't always control how things go. Yet, we hear that God can, and He wants to bring His kingdom into full reality in our lives. But what does that look like, and how does it start? One theologian put it this way, Before we can pray, Lord, Thy kingdom come, we must be willing to pray, My kingdom go. We'll explore what this looks like in our lives today, and more in our current series, Thy Kingdom Come. Let's continue the Upward Journey. Good morning, Upward family. I want to welcome you this morning to this beautiful place. Aren't we in a beautiful place? What a season it is outside. Have you seen the beautiful colors all around? I said, have you, apparently you've been walking around with a blindfold on. Have you seen the beautiful colors all around? Oh, isn't it gorgeous outside? I love it so much. We live really, really close to heaven here in Henderson County. Our online audience, we welcome you today. If you're not here with us, you should be jealous of us today because we can walk outside and see the most beautiful colors. I love this season we're in outside. I also love the season we're in inside. God is doing so many wonderful things in our church body. We're just in an unprecedented season of growth in every possible way. Every metric we can measure is headed in a good direction, up and to the right. And that's always fun to see that going on. God's doing some good things in our ministries. God's doing some amazing things. We had an amazing serve day yesterday. We were in 10 locations across our community serving, mowing, cleaning, packing uh, food for the homeless, packing clothes for uh, little children that are yet to be born. We were doing all kinds of things yesterday all over our community. And I like to give uh, Pastor Alex and our teams a big hand of appreciation and thanks for them and all that they did. Our children's ministry is doing so well. They're in a season of just incredible growth. It's not unusual to have over 200 kids here on a weekend now, and we're just so excited to see that. Uh, we were just getting uh, feedback online this week about how the volunteers over there are just going the extra mile to love children. Some of our volunteers brought in a bunch of extra fun crafts on their own, and then they were doing something along the lines of a rock climbing theme. So some of our volunteers actually brought in rock climbing equipment and taught them about tying knots. We didn't have any rocks up there for them to climb that I'm aware of, but uh, they're just going the extra mile. And I just love this about this church. One of the things I love about Upward is it's not about one person. It's certainly not about me. I, I learned that this week in a big way. I sat down with a good friend, and we had breakfast together, and he said, Pastor, I want to tell you something great about our church. I said, okay, I'm ready. He said, of all the churches I've ever been to, and then I'm, I'm, I'm excited still, and he said, if you got hit by a bus tomorrow, <laughs> that's not the kind of compliments I like to hear normally, but he said, he said, this is the only church I've ever been in that if you get hit by a bus tomorrow, the church would still go on. Now, I hope nobody out here is pulling for that because I'm not. I plan to be right here as long as I possibly can. But it says something about the wonderful team that we have, that it's not just about me or not just about us. Ultimately, obviously, it's about Jesus and it's about transforming our community for Jesus Christ. It's about community. 
And the good thing about that being our goal and our heart is that that is exactly what Jesus has called us to do, to get out of this building and transform our community with the power of God's kingdom. And when you go out and mow grass for somebody, you can have a conversation with them because you have, they have bought into you and you have bought into them. I went around just visiting seven different locations yesterday, and over and over again, the leadership in those places would come out and talk to me. Some of them were not people of faith, but they were looking at our volunteers who were there on the ground serving for Jesus Christ. And I saw doors opening in hearts yesterday, and I was just blown away by that so much. Jesus has truly called us to transform our community and to bring the kingdom of God to earth. You know, when God's kingdom comes to Henderson County, the crime rate's going to drop. When God's kingdom comes to Henderson County, racism will have to leave. When God's kingdom comes to Henderson County, suicide rates will plummet because young people will find hope. When God's kingdom comes to Henderson County, peace will prevail. And that's what we want to see. This series is called Thy Kingdom Come. And we want to manifest that incredible kingdom on this earth in our community in such a way as to transform our community. We want Henderson County to be a better place because Jesus' presence is here. Now, there's a way of thinking in the church that I disagree with, and some of you may agree with this, and I would invite you to come on over to my way of thinking. (laughs) I believe everybody's entitled to my opinion. And so I'm going to share it today, and I want to give you an invitation to come on over. By the way, I'm inviting all the Braves fans for the rest of the season to become Yankees fans. If you shudder at being a Yankees fan, it may only last a day, okay? So you may only have to do it for one day, and then we'll have to all find somebody. There's a thinking in the church world. I don't have time to play around today. There's thinking in the church world today that says it's an eschatology. And eschatology is simply the study of the end times and how things are going to unfold. There's a thinking that's prevalent in many places today that the church is just going to get worse and worse and worse and weaker and weaker and weaker. And the world's just going to get darker and darker and darker Until finally at the end, in some people's minds, it seems like the whole world's gone to hell, excuse me, and there's only two Christians left, and Jesus comes back to get this tiny group that's just holding out at the end. I don't believe that. I don't accept that. I do not accept that the church is going to shrivel up and die before Jesus comes back. I do not accept the idea that we're going to let our community run down and down and down until Jesus just comes back to take us away. It's almost this occupation mentality that we get beat back and back further and further till finally we're on a rooftop somewhere surrounded by the enemy and Jesus comes in a helicopter to take us away. Now hear me, I believe Jesus is coming back for his church. I believe in the rapture of the church. I'm not saying anything against that. But I believe the church is going to grow more powerful in the world. I believe we're going to see transformation take place. I've just declared this over my life. The church is not going to decline while I'm here on my watch. Can I get an amen from you? 
And I'm going to tell you something else. Henderson County is not going to decline while we're here either because Jesus wants to do something. Can I get an amen? We need everybody in for this to work. We're not letting our community slide down, go away, be taken away by our enemy. Jesus said this, and this is what one of the verses that lead me toward my theology and my eschatology. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, he said this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. That right there, that verse there tells me that the church is going to be powerful in the last days. That in the last days, the church is going to rise up and take the message and the life of Jesus all over the world. So I want to challenge you to avoid a theology that makes the church weak and powerless. I want to, some people say, well, pastor, you're talking about the power and you're talking about this healing and you're talking about all these miracles that could come. That just makes me a little uncomfortable. I want to invite you to get uncomfortable with the lack of power. I want to invite you to get uncomfortable with the lack of healing. Pastor, some of these manifestations scare me a little bit. Some of them scare me too. But I'm willing to be made uncomfortable to see Jesus manifest in my life. Doesn't mean I'm going to accept things that are unscriptural and crazy. Nope, nope, nope. But I want to get uncomfortable with the lack of the kingdom being manifest. And step up and see it happen. Can I get an amen? That's what Jesus wants. And what we're teaching you in this series is about the kingdom coming. The next two messages are going to be very down-to-earth, street-level, as to how we can manifest the kingdom in lives. Jesus did this often. Jesus healed sick people to demonstrate His authority over sickness to lead to demonstrating His authority over sin. You understand that? He didn't just heal people because he loved them, which obviously he did. He healed them to demonstrate authority over sickness and his ultimate authority over sin. In John chapter 5, we see this lived out. Jesus is our model of how to live. And Jesus manifested the kingdom of God just as we are to manifest the kingdom of God. Now, some of you say, preacher, that ain't fair. He's Jesus. Anybody ever thought of that? Hang on here, Pastor. You're challenging me to do what Jesus did. I mean, that's like putting you in a home run contest with Aaron Judge. I'm sorry, too much Yankees today. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just praying today. But uh, it's like putting you in a home run contest with the greatest home run hitter to stack you up against Jesus. Here's what we need to understand, and we've got to get this if we're going to truly manifest the kingdom like Jesus did. Jesus was and is the Son of God. But when He came to earth, He took on human flesh, and He laid aside His prerogatives and His privileges as the Son of God to become fully human. And He lived and walked as a man. So when he spoke to demons and they were cast out, he did it as a human being empowered by the Holy Spirit, just as you and I can. Amen. 
If you don't get that, you're always going to be like, well, that was Jesus and I'm me. Jesus came to model what our lives can actually look like. Come along with me. Some of you who've been taught that healing was only for the early church, come along with Jesus. I don't want to sound arrogant, but come along with the Bible. Some people actually try to use the Bible to say miracles are not for today. Unfortunately for them, the Bible doesn't say that. Unfortunately for their theology, Jesus said, you're going to do greater works than I did. So come on over. You say, well, why am I not seeing it? Well, we're learning. Jesus modeled for us how we can live if we walk in the Spirit. Now, I better start preaching that. Now, there's another crowd coming in in a few minutes. I need to get started. All this was free and extra, right? John 5, verses 2 and 3 says this. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Now, this is a special place in Jerusalem. By the way, this, this place for many, many years was uh, declared by the intellectuals, quote, intellectuals, to be proof that the Bible was a lie. Because they'd look for these, this place, and they'd look for the five colonnades or porches. They'd look for evidence of them, and they had not found them. So they declared the Bible is just not true. Archaeology has never uncovered this place. It's not there. I want you to hear me. An argument based on what's not there is a very weak argument. Because everything that will be found has not been found yet. So intellectuals, and by the way, just because someone has a degree does not make them smart. <laughs> Having letters behind their name, some of the, oh, I'm going to get unkind. I'm just going to stop right there. <laughs> Kindness, fruit of the Spirit. Come on, Lord. Some people get a degree and they get arrogant and think they're smarter than everybody else. Oh, I just want to preach this morning. I'm going to tell you what. I know some people right here in Henderson County who barely got out of high school who have more wisdom than many of the PhDs I've met. So just because a people brands themselves as educated does not mean they know better than you and I. So they said for years, the Bible's not true, they're not there. And they kept saying it until they found them. And they did. They found the five evidence of the five colonnades right where they were supposed to be. That's no surprise to you, is it? The Bible's true. The more they find, the more it lines up with what the Scripture said. But here's the neat thing about this place. There was a pool there, and, and local legend believed that an angel came and stirred the waters. There's a big debate about that scripturally, too, but uh, that's not for another day. But the locals believed that an angel stirred the waters, and then when the waters were stirred, the first person to get in there got healed. Now, I can tell you right now, God doesn't do things like that. Because God never puts us in competition with other people to get our healing. God would never put a carrot out there and say, come here, chase this, and cause people to lay around this pool for many, many years. Uh, superstition does that, and other things does that. But God's never going to say, here's a pool, and you two lame guys just have to see who can crawl over each other to get healing. Because God actually sent healing to this place. 
But all these people laid there waiting for the water to be stirred just to jump in there on the hope and the chance they would get healed. So this was a very desperate place filled with desperate individuals. You ever seen the videos of the guy who puts stuff up there? I think he's from North Carolina who, who says the last person to remain touching this car gets to keep it and they stand in a big circle or he draws a circle and if you can stand in a place long enough, you win a million dollars. That's kind of the desperation here. These people had been here forever. And then jump down to verse 5 and we see what has to be one of the most desperate people there said one man was there, verse 5, who'd been an invalid for 38 years. 38 years the man had laid by this pool, waiting on the waters to be stirred, waiting desperately for hope. And then it says this, and I want you to get this, verse 6, when Jesus saw him, Jesus saw him. Let that sink in. There was a multitude of people lying there. This guy had been there forever, but Jesus saw him. It doesn't just mean Jesus saw him physically. And this is something that you and I need to get. That we don't just see people physically, but we see past what we see to see what the kingdom sees. I'm going to tell you the truth. Sometimes what people are presenting is not the problem at all. Sometimes the problem that they're showing out is not the problem. Sometimes people's wounds bubble up to the surface. Sometimes people have been rejected so much by so many people that they decide they're going to get what I call preemptive anger. They're going to tick you off before you can reject them. You run across a person that's just ugly with the whole world, they've been rejected many times so much that they don't want to give anybody even a chance to do that, so they're going to hate you before you can hate them. Sometimes people who do weird things, met anybody like that? At Upward this morning? Hang around me long enough, you'll find something. When people do weird things that you don't understand, there's something beneath the surface that you just don't get. Jesus saw this man. There's something in my heart about the kingdom of God that as I've studied this subject again and again, it's about seeing. It's about seeing. Any of you ever have friends that you just can't take them anywhere because they always find people to talk to? Or maybe you're married to a person like that. Don't, don't hit them right now. But how many of you know that if you go out with this person, it's going to be like two hours longer because they're going to strike up ten conversations all the way? Just point at them right now. Just point at them. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just point at them. Yeah, I know who they are. Go ahead, babe. She's pointing at me right now. I'm that guy. You know, I'm going to find 10 people to talk to. If I go to Sam's or Walmart or something like that, it ain't about buying stuff. It's about visiting with everybody. You know what I mean? I got friends out here. Everywhere I go, Alexa's like, don't go over there. I'm like, oh, just hold on, baby. It'll just be a minute. (laughs) I love that. I love community. 
I think the disciples, if we ask them one day in heaven, what was it like to hang out with Jesus? They'll be like, everywhere we went. Everywhere we went. We'd be trying to go somewhere, and he would see something or somebody. He would see this guy, and we would be like, come on, Jesus, don't, don't stop. Don't. Oh, there he goes. We don't have time. There he goes. He did that. He saw what nobody else saw. He could see things the disciples could not. I'm saying, Jesus, give us kingdom eyes. Give us kingdom eyes. There was a situation once where Jesus got in a hurry. Now, when I'm in a hurry, I don't see things very much at all. Because I'm thinking about, i got to get somewhere. i got to get somewhere. There was a time when Jesus was actually called to go to the home of a little girl that died. And so they're in a huge hurry for Jesus to get there. You just imagine your child's dying, and you're like, Jesus, come on. So Jesus is en route there, and he's trying to get through a big crowd of people. You ever tried to get, be in a hurry through a big crowd of people? He's at Disney World, he's got a fast pass, and there's 40 million people in front of him, and he's trying to get through. Jesus is trying to get to heal this little girl. People are everywhere. I mean, he's cutting through the crowd. The crowd is moving. There was a woman in the crowd. Powerful story. Moves me every time. She'd had a hemorrhage in her body. She was bleeding. And the Bible said this about this lady. She had suffered many things of many physicians and spent all she had, but was nothing better, but rather grew worse. She'd been to doctors everywhere. She'd spent all her money. And it hadn't helped her a bit. She'd suffered with this. The thing with her illness too, her, her blood hemorrhage, uh, it made her unclean so that she could not worship with the other Jewish. And the Jew she couldn't go into the temple with this. But it said this, when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press and in the crowd she said this in her heart, and this is just so powerful for me. She heard about Jesus, and faith came into her heart. And she said, if I could just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. She didn't try to stop him. She didn't need a healing service. She didn't need Jesus to lay hands on her. She didn't need to talk to the disciples. This woman had incredible faith. And it said she came in the press behind. She snuck up on Jesus from behind. And she grabbed the, I guess she had, may have had to get down on the ground. She grabbed the hem of his garment down here. She just grabbed it. Jesus, bustling through this crowd, all of a sudden he stops and he said, who touched me? And the disciples were like, what? Who touched you? That's exactly what they said. They said, you see this wild crowd? Everybody's bumping you and touching you. I've seen you by 10 people in the last 10 seconds, Jesus. What in the world? Jesus said, who touched me? But it said this, he felt power go out of him. That's how sensitive he was to the Holy Spirit. A big reason that Jesus could do what he was doing is he was so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that he knew exactly what the Father was doing everywhere he went. And when the Father wanted to heal somebody, Jesus could feel it and knew it and saw it, so he did it. I just finished my whole sermon. Just go home. 
like, I wish you'd do that every Sunday. Maybe I wouldn't have to stand in line. <laughs> Jesus saw what nobody else could see. And it said, he turned around, just said, who touched me? And it said, the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what happened in her. When she touched his garment, immediately the hemorrhage she'd had for years stopped. And she fell down before Jesus and said, oh, it was me. And he called her daughter. I love this. I'm going to cry if I keep talking about this. He called her daughter. He said, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Be healed of your plague. All that happened because he saw what nobody else saw. He could feel what nobody else could feel. Jesus saw this man. God, help us to see and not miss opportunities. Because they're all around us. There are men and women like that in Henderson County and surrounding counties every day that you come in contact with that the Father wants to do a miracle in their lives and you are His ambassador in that situation to bring that miracle to life. If you'll just see it. I heard a conversation with Tim Tebow this week. He was talking about his dad and he said his dad traveled to a foreign country and he'd taken some money with him few thousand dollars had it in cash just for survival and emergencies in a foreign country he's carrying it around with him they were sitting at a table and not far from them it was a really rough situation there was a guy who was selling a group of five or six girls just out on the street in public selling these girls and he said his dad was with a group of other pastors and sadly the other pastors didn't even see it but the man sitting there, even not speaking the language, saw what was going on. And he took out his billfold, and he took every bit of the cash he had, and he bought every one of them. And he set them free. Because in a moment, he could see. The father didn't put him there for all the preaching and all the convention and all the other thing. God put him there to buy those girls. But if he'd been such, in such a hurry to go do ministry, he would have missed the thing right in front of him. See, folks, ministry is a whole lot more than preaching. Ministry is a lot more than being up on a platform. Ministry is when you're downtown Hendersonville walking the streets and somebody with a need that nobody else has ever seen, you see it because you're in touch with the Father. Manifesting the kingdom is going to require that kind of sensitivity. Now, i got to finish Jesus saw the man, Je that part about me finishing and all, that wasn't true at all. <laughs> Jesus knew about the man. Jesus knew immediately through the Holy Spirit that he'd been there 38 years. There's something about Jesus that's attracted to desperation. There's something about the heart of God that when people hit bottom, he's, he runs to them. Jesus knew this by the Holy Spirit. This is a spiritual gift that God will give you called the word of knowledge. You know what the word of knowledge is? It's just knowledge that the Holy Spirit gives you to know about somebody that you wouldn't know any other way. God never gives it to gossips. Uh-uh. If you're going to go talk about people, you'll never have this gift. God never gives it to preachers who want to show off. Years ago, there was this guy who was supposedly a healing evangelist, and he would call people up and lay hands on them and say, I think your doctor's name is Dr. Brown. 
My apologies, Dr. Brown. For real, I'm sorry. Dr. Smith. <laughs> Too late. He'd say, your doctor's Dr. Smith. And they'd go, oh, they'd filled out a card before they got in, wrote down their doctor's name already. And the guy's wife was up in a balcony, and he had a transmitter in her ear, in his ear. That kind of shenanigans is just... Just because a guy has a rev in front of his name doesn't mean he's a pastor. Many con men are rev. That's, that's just wrong. That's not the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the gift that, that gift of the Holy Spirit is never given so we can get up on a stage and show off. It's given so at a person's moment of need, we will have insight into their lives. Sometimes to open their hearts. Sometimes to find a way to minister to them. You're talking with somebody that's hurting, sometimes God gives you knowledge. Let me tell you how it works. Sometimes you'll be with a person and you're praying for that person. And I want to encourage you, when you start to pray with a person, I want you not to talk too much. Sometimes the worst thing you can do in prayer is talk. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just take them by the hand or lay a hand on their shoulder and just wait for the Holy Spirit. And many times the Holy Spirit will give you a picture, a thought, an insight in your own heart and in your spirit as to what the problem is. There was a time I was praying for an individual, and this works for you just as good as it works for me. If you know Jesus, I was praying for an individual, and I just pictured this. I kept getting this picture in my spirit. It's how it works in my life of a gray-haired man, and I could just see him. I mean, it was just vivid to me as I prayed for this person. And I didn't know what to do with it because I thought, is that just me? You ever ask the question, am I crazy? If you don't ask that question, others will be. Okay, so just hang on. You ever ask that question, am I crazy? Is this just me? So here's what I did, very humbly, because I'm not always right. Very humbly, I just said, listen, as I'm praying for you, I'm just seeing this gray-haired man. And I described what I was seeing. She said, she started to weep. She said, that's my dad. And it turns out the dad was a big part of the problem she was struggling with. And all that did was help her. It didn't make me look like some mighty man of God. It just helped her to know that God knew where she was. That's the motivation behind seeking the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Jesus saw this man's condition down deep in his heart. He said when Jesus saw him lying there and knew he'd already been there a long time, he said this, do you want to be healed? Anybody happy that we're getting to the healing now? I know what some of you like, it's 1022, this guy's got to get healed. Come on, preacher. We're here. We're here at the healing, all right? <laughs> He asked him, do you want to be healed? What? Wait, what? What? Another thing disciples say, Jesus really asked some dumb questions. They weren't so dumb when we figured them out. Do you want to be healed? Uh, really, Jesus, I've been laying here 38 years trying to get into this pool. And every time the water stirs, somebody beats me in there. Do I want to be healed? Here's the deal with Jesus. He always asks for an invitation into your life. Some of you here today, well, if Jesus wants me, he can just come get me. He won't. If he wants to save me, he will. He won't. He said, I stand at the door and I knock. I'll invite you. I'll invite you to invite me. I'll knock at the door of your heart, but you're the one who has to say yes. Then Jesus got in trouble. 
Verse 8, the guy's getting healed now. Stay with me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And he did. The man who had laid there for 38 years, Jesus just said, get up. He didn't pray for him. He didn't grab him by the hand and yank him up. That's going to happen next week. (laughs) Next week, we're going to talk about how the disciples did almost the same thing after Jesus went to heaven and how you and I can do that same thing. But he said, rise, take up your bed and walk. The problem here, and I'm closing, the problem is he did this on the Sabbath day. The Jewish Sabbath was that day. And the religious people around there thought that it was a sin for the guy to pick up his bed and walk. How twisted is that? Religion will make you the most twisted person in the world. I hate religion. I hate religion. I hate it. I've lost my religion. We've lost our religion here at Upward. Religion stinks. Religion kills. Religion just... Religion... Time for me to quit, isn't it, Matt? Thanks, brother. (laughs) By the way, I've never heard anyone during a pastor appreciation message mention lip tattoos. I saw you pull your lip down. I didn't see if you actually have one. Do you have one? You do not. Okay. We needed to establish that. Religion stinks stinks so bad because here's the deal this guy gets up from 38 years of sickness and walks and all these church people can do and say he took up his bed he broke the rules what the guy just got healed he hadn't walked in 38 years another part of the miracle not only did he get strength but God showed him how to walk in a second and he picks up his bed you guys should be happy Nope, religion will knock you down. Here was Jesus' response to them, and this is the real message today. Are you ready? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord. Further proof He wasn't acting as the Son of God. I can't do this by myself. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. And what the Father does, the Son does likewise. Will you ask God to give you kingdom eyes so that you can see what God is doing in a situation and partner with God? I've learned this, and I'm going to close with this and one more thing. We can live our lives reacting to the devil, or we can live our lives responding to the Father. But you can't do both. When Jesus made this declaration, I do what I see the Father doing, it was more than a declaration. It was an invitation for us to live that kind of life. So instead of every day getting up and just saying, oh, the devil did this, stop reacting and start responding to what the Father does. Sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. man told me once, he said some doves came and built or were nesting on our front porch 
Any of you ever heard the doves in the morning? You put out a bird feeder, you'll hear those doves cooing in the morning. There's nothing quite so beautiful as that. So I like to have doves around. God used the dove to represent the Holy Spirit, so it's a powerful symbol in the Scripture. And the guy said uh, the doves would come and they would start nesting, and he said, we had this rattling screen door. Anybody remember what that sounds like? That's the sound I miss is a rattling screen door. He said, we had this rattling screen door, and every time one of the kids would go out on the porch, the screen door would slam and the doves would fly away. And he said, I wanted to keep those doves so badly And there's the lesson. He said, I learned this. He said, I learned that the doves won't adjust themselves to me. That I had to adjust myself to the doves. And I just thought, Jesus, however you have to adjust me for this to happen in my life, just do it. Could you pray that prayer today? Jesus, I want to be a powerful kingdom Christian, not for my own aggrandizement, but so that I can transform my community. Jesus, whatever you have to do to adjust my life to be that sensitive to you, Lord, do it. Amen. Would you bow with me today? I actually am stopping now. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the joy of this wonderful family in this wonderful place. And we just ask you, Lord, do your work today beyond anything I can do. How many in this place today, every head bowed, every eye closed, would say, Pastor, today I'm saying yes to Jesus. Can I see your hands? We won't embarrass you. Can I see your hands up high? I'm saying yes to Jesus. I thought I saw a hand. Amen. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you so much. Saying yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. Incredible, incredible. How many would say, Pastor, I need to see your hands now. We, we said it. But how many would say, Lord, adjust me any way you want to so that I may be sensitive to what your Holy Spirit is doing. Can I see your hands, bunch of them? Oh, God's going to use you. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, make it so in every life and every heart. Today, we're going to pray for those receiving Christ. And I just want you to pray this prayer with me. And the church is going to help us. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying for me. Today, I surrender, I give up, I give my life, I give my sin, I give my will over to you. Be my Savior and be my Lord today. I receive you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate that this morning? Lift your hands if you would to just receive blessing today. Paul wrote this to the church at Ephesus. He said, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Holy Spirit. It's been granted to you to see the kingdom. There is an invitation upon your life to see what you've not seen before. It's going to be a revelation to you as you walk in it. I bless you with that today from God's Word. Now, I commission you in the power of the Holy Spirit to go out of this place, take every spiritual gift that's available to you, and use it to make Jesus known in your world. In His name, we send you out. 
Amen. Love y'all so much. Thank you for being here. Hope to see you outside at Guest Gathering if I've not had a chance to meet you yet. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Upward Christian Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.